Before we get to this episode with Reese Highlight Humphrey, please leave us a review and rate the podcast. Whether you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, leave us a rating, leave us a review, let us know what you think, and enjoy the show. So wrestling has changed my life. It's taught me how to stay even keeled through the highs and through the lows. Don't get too high on yourself when everything's going well, and don't get too low on yourself when, when um, things don't seem like they're going out well. We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the, the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's, it's 5% of the ingredient. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort it humbled me, taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back at my time I spent wrestling, if it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Wrestling Changed My Life podcast. This is your host, Ryan Warner. It's Monday, July 11th, an absolute scorcher here in the Windy. But we have a great guest. It's Highlight Reese Humphrey, head coach at the NJRTC. He's consistently put guys on the world team. And as a wrestler, he was a three-time world team member himself, three-time U.S. Open champ, national finalist for Ohio State. Go Buckeyes. His pops was an Olympic coach, and Reese Humphrey was a three-time state champ back in his high school days in Indiana. Please check out Reese's new album. It's called Snow Day. They have a hilarious song called Teach Me How to Wrestle. Enjoy the podcast, folks. Fan of the Week goes to a recent Apple podcast review. We put out the call. You guys listened and left some reviews. We are now the number one podcast in the country in terms of ratings. This one is by Chewy Man Yee. Five-star review. Pot, uh, the review goes, since listening to the podcast in late 2021, I haven't missed a show. Love the guests, and more importantly, I get a historical perspective of the struggles and accomplishments, big and small. Keep up the great work. Thank you so much, and thank you to everyone who's left a review on Apple Podcasts as well as Spotify. Last but not least, huge thank you to our sponsor, Spartan Combat. They're invested in wrestling at every level of the game. They sponsor youth tournaments. They outfit high school teams. They sponsor elite-level athletes. And now at SpartanCombat.com. You can enter to win a free Yanni D t-shirt, SpartanCombat.com. The free t-shirt registration will pop up on your home screen. Enter your information and wait to see if you win. SpartanCombat.com. And that's it, folks. Let's give it up for Reese Highlight Humphrey. My man. Yes, sir. Yeah, I'm so pumped for this conversation. I uh, I just have so much fun going through like your social media and looking at everything. It's so, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've, I've been having a lot of fun with it lately. I the video where the ki- the kid hit a uh, almost took you down, hit like a little dump, dude. <laughs> and then the the crowd reaction when you slammed the kid, unbelievable. Uh-huh. Yeah, man, the the kid had me. He really had me. You know, it's like I'm in South Dakota. I'm, I'm at their campers. I'm not taking it too seriously. And the kid's legit though. And I had no idea, you know, I grabbed him for a little, I'm like, Oh, this kid's a little better than I thought. And then he hit me in that. Like people don't surprise me like that, whether I'm paying attention or not, not very often, not without being actually a, a guy that could wrestle at least at the college level. And, um, turns out the kid's a three-time state champ from Wyoming, which can be hit or miss, you mm-hmm. know? So, um, with Wyoming being, where he's from, the D1 programs aren't looking at him at all until that video kind of popped off. I've had a bunch of coaches call me like, who is that? And what's his deal? He's got a 4.0. His name is Lane Ewing. And he, uh, he's he got some potential D1 
situations going on for him. So I'm hoping that he gets to compete and uh, I'm hoping that he's as good as, as I felt in those that <laughs> 20 second go, but either way, it's, it was still so cool. And, and the people reacted really well to it. And it's, it's kind of funny, you know, don't believe everything you see on Instagram. I'm drilling in the second clip. That's not real. <laughs> got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Dude. I didn't know, man, but I was like, shit, it looked cool. And then the, the reaction was so good though. But uh, the, yeah, I told him to do that. Oh, you background. did? Yeah. I said, Hey, when I pick him up, you got to go. Oh. And then when the kid <laughs> almost got me, I had someone filming that in case I did something cool. I put them back to back and it looks like, you know, I, I tried to slam the, the same kid. And I think it went viral because it's clearly not the same kid. There's enough people talking crap to me and uh, enough people just enjoying the show. But I mean, that's what camps are, man, is to bring joy to the sport of wrestling. And I think everybody had a good time and everybody's kind of feeling that vibe. So it took off and uh, it's been, I gained like almost 20,000 followers from it. Wow. That's yeah. awesome. My, that's uh, awesome. Most Dude. views ever. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dude, Mark Branch, what are you doing? Not letting this kid slip through the cracks out in Wyoming, man. Let's, yeah. let's get going. I'm sure. Like you said, a lot of coaches calling him now, which is so cool because man, that's a, yeah, that's just such a cool story. If something pans out of that, that would be amazing. Yeah, it'd be pretty crazy. Yeah, and he's got 4.0. His, his uh, ACT scores are 27, something like that. Pretty pretty good scores. So I'm like, dude, what happened here? Get to Fargo something, kid. Get going. <laughs> I think what would have happened if you would actually score. <laughs> right. Seriously. It was, man. But just, uh, and we'll roll into the interview here. Um, Reese Humphrey, good to have you on the show, my friend. Thanks for having me. Yes, sir. But yeah, no, I was just watching, you know, obviously a bunch of your matches this morning. The match against Zadik, when I go back and watch that flow documentary, you say you wanted to retire him. Yeah. Dude, that was uh is that still one one of the matches that sticks out for you as a turning point? <clears throat> um, it was it was just a match along the way, you know. Um I, I was excited about it because you know he's world silver medalist and I knew I could compete with those guys and he was the first guy that I beat that had done things on that level. So yeah, it's definitely a state. It was probably the very beginning of, of me knowing that I could, could win, but I, I had made that decision because I wrestled with Sean Bunch every single day and Steve was coming up a little bit after that, but <clears throat> I wrestled with Bunch every day and there's a, we went to the same tournament it was my first overseas tournament. I went 0 and one and Bunch won the whole entire term. And in that moment, I was like, these dudes aren't that good. And it changed my whole perception on, international athletes because my dad coached at that level and always told me all these stories about Russians and, and Turks and, and uh, Iranian dudes being superstars. And so I kind of put them on a pedestal up until that point. Cause I knew I could wrestle with bunch. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, I, I think I was a little bit behind him at that point, but still I knew I could do better than own one and it changed my perception. And then <clears throat> the very next event, I, Russell, well, I beat Bunch, or I beat Zadik, and then I beat Bunch in the final. It was pretty controversial. Everybody thought Bunch was clearly better than me, and then we went to the trials, and I ended up beating him two out of three, making a team. My first team was JB's first team in 2011, so I got to see all of that and be around guys who were superstars. Kale was on that team, James Green, um, a lot of superstars. So it's like it all started right then and there. So, yeah, I guess it was a, a pretty big match for me. Yeah, and I, I I heard you say that watching JB win really motivated you too. How how do you mean by that? Same kind of deal. Like uh, I put him on a pedestal, and and I don't think the country knew that we could win uh, at that time. Right now, it seems like you make the team, you better medal. Like everybody <laughs> seems like that's the standard right now, which is amazing. And I think that our, our twos and threes could be right in there to medal as well. Uh, USA is is doing very very well right now. I'm excited. I think we got a chance to win at this upcoming world. Um, and, uh, but JB made that happen. I really think that he came in and we were going in. I remember being at the NYC, we were going up the elevator and we were going to compete at the beat the streets event against the Russians. And he's a new college kid just coming out, just won the open. Everybody thought it was a fluke. And, and, uh, we were talking about the Russians, like how good they were. And he was saying, I'm like, yeah, they're pretty good. And he goes, Oh yeah, they're good, but I'm going to win. And the way he said it to me, it was like he knew. And I was like, okay, young, young dude, let's let's see what you got. And then and then he didn't lose for 70 matches. 
(laughs) But in that moment of beat the streets was just kind of like an intimate moment for me. Um, But then watching him do the exact same thing at the Worlds, uh, beating Sargush in the quarterfinals, who everybody kind of thought was unbeatable at that point, uh, except for Jordan. And so it, it took that jersey delusional confidence and skill and put it all together. And it showed the rest of the country that not only can we win, but that we should win. And he led us, man. He led us. And, and it, it was awesome to, to be right alongside, uh, I mean, one of the my heroes, you know. He's my, my friend and my peer. But I've looked up to him the whole time because of, of what he's done on the mat and who he is as a person. It's amazing that when you <clears throat> see someone do that, like you hear a friend say something outlandish and inside you're hopeful for them, but you're like, maybe this guy doesn't know like the reality of the situation. Mm-hmm. Like there's no way. And then, you know, six months later, something like that happens or a year later. And you're like, holy shit, like if they don't believe it, who would? And so like, it's yeah. crazy when it does happen like that. Yeah, it is crazy. What was more outlandish was me not thinking that we could beat him. you know? Right. He, right. He, right. he was really right. And he proved it. And then he had me believing shit. I started shooting double X. <laughs> <laughs> like everybody in the country started shooting doubles. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what a, what a turning point. That's our goosh match match was messy too it was a war there was singlets being pulled bandages i mean his ear blew up in the semis i mean just tough time and time again and i was front row for all those in that 69 match streak he had Mm -hmm. and i mean he was losing in i would say like 10 to 15 of them with 30 seconds left and i'm i just in the beginning i'd be like oh everybody start watching towards the end of it i'm like he's got it (laughs) just watch you watch he's got it it is incredible and he's still going still going god he has to be injured (laughs) injured at this point um because i mean it it, he makes it look easy at times but uh i've seen how many close ones there's been along the years and how how many times he's fought back and won 10 to 10 and I mean, that's what it takes to be the greatest American wrestler ever. And I think when he wins this world's right here, he will solidify himself as that number one with seven golds with um, a couple years left. Yeah, so. absolutely. I mean, you think back to the IMAR loss, people then were like, it's over, throwing in the towel or, mm-hmm. you know, like, I don't know if anyone really felt that, but you started hearing that. And then he put goes on another run. And yeah, so it's, it's kind of crazy because not very many people catch on to this, but as soon as they switched from night before weigh-ins to two-hour weigh-ins was when things changed. He uh, Everything got a lot closer. He he won a lot tighter matches. He looked a little juiced and some, he looked human, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he bumped up to 79 in the two-hour weigh-in. 79, I think, is just a better weight for him. Um, so that's why he's at the top of the game again, because the dude can wrestle. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, clearly. And a lot of people who haven't cut weight at your guys' level don't understand. Like, I've heard you say when you were back at 60, you would have a cut and you just wouldn't know how your body was going to perform because it was, there's just some inconsistencies. Yeah. Um, like, I, I, like how, how did that manifest for you? I mean, do you remember any specific examples where that happened? Or was it yeah, like a bad all, warm up or? All the time. It's not a bad warm up. That weight was too low for me, you mm. know? And, and to be in a spot like JB, you, it's got to be so perfect. You have to be the perfect weight. You got to get the right calls at the right times to be six, seven time champ. Things have to go pretty well. And you have to be the greatest and toughest and strongest. And everything has to go so well. Um, but when you cut weight and you're just at 60 kilos was just too low for me, but I knew that that was my best shot at making the team. Um, you know, Metcalf was up at, at 66 is what it was back then. And there were some guys that I just didn't feel confident in uh in competing with and so i always just got down there um but it was so hard to be consistent um just because my body couldn't hold up two three matches in i'd be just it'd be like a flip of a coin you know i trained my ass off i did everything right because i i didn't want there to be any any thought in the back of my head and so when i started to get too tired in in matches that i shouldn't have um, I knew it was from the weight cut. And then sometimes I still made the decision to go down and flip that coin. Um, and some, then I started to go up and made the semifinals at 65, but it's hard to move up the weight class. 11 pounds is uh, it's a pretty big jump. And I think it takes, you've seen with David Taylor, exactly. it, it takes, it takes about a year, 
maybe 18 months until you might put the weight on. I, I, I might've weighed the same just cause I was cutting so much. Um, but it's like, it's not your weight yet. You know, it's like, you have to get used to those bodies. The style is different. You're doing different kind of actions. I think like 57 and 60, 61 kilos are much more faster reattack kind of actions outside. And then you get into 65, 70, 74, where there's more hand fighting. Um, and then you get into upper weights where it's a, a whole different thing that, you know, I, I don't have too much experience in, but um, they, they're all kind of different. So it takes some time to adapt just to, from a technique aspect, but also you need to have that weight on your body for a little bit so you can handle that, that kind of pressure. Cause I, I'm probably a little bit lighter than I was now, but I feel totally confident wrestling 65, 70 now. And, and I would have never thought about grabbing a 70 kilo. Uh, really? Mm-hmm. What'd you wrestle at the Sarah Pilato when you came back? 72. <laughs> 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 a lot of people don't know this but i, I wrestled in cuba tell and, us that story when you're yeah, on the beach i'm sitting on the beach I'm, i have a pina colada and like a coconut <laughs> <laughs> and i'm talking to kj coach kj we're sitting there we're just having a blast we're on the beach it's like it's a wrestling tournament but it's vacation you know and and I'm, I've been lifting a lot. I'm in good shape. I wrestle every day with Bryce and, and uh, all the guys that were on the NJ RTC at that point. And KJ looking at me, he's like, man, you look pretty good. I said, hell yeah, I look pretty good. I'll beat all these dudes up. And he looked at me and he like tipped his cup up and he was like, you know, we don't have to register. <laughs> I go, sign me up. <laughs> and he did. <laughs> he did. And I mean, I weigh 70 at the most. And so, I mean, we, we kept drinking, of course, that day. Mm-hmm. Uh, had one day off and then uh competed i had pantaleo first round and he's he's cutting and he is means business you know that was the first tournament he actually won as an athlete but i mean the dude's been ranked number one um, mm-hmm. in the world at 70 kilos and and bit of force and uh i was his his mike zaddick <laughs> <laughs> dude pantaleo looks like a strong individual he can do one-arm muscle-ups, not one-arm pull-ups. I've seen him do like 10 one-arm pull-ups in a row. Yeah, and he's, he's that strong and to be that big, and he's cutting weight to get to the two kilos over. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I lost to him first round, like seven to two or something. It wasn't close. And then it was a pool system, so I beat everybody else in my pool. So I got second, and then we crossed over, and I wrestled the number one guy from the other pool. Beat him. I'm in the finals with Pantaleo again. And I was, ah, no, thanks. Yeah. You don't want that. <laughs> I was like, dude, you got it, buddy. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. It's cool though. Cause I saw you record a video afterwards. You're kind of recapping all of the things you learned. And one of the, one of the things you mentioned was like the nerves you felt like as soon as KJ said, you're signed up, you had like a, a jolt of nerves, nerves, my legs hurt. You know, it's a, it's a real thing. And uh, I tell my guys that you have to have some sort of distraction. Um, And so I felt the nerves from the uh, beach worlds is when I really noticed that I didn't have that much time with the Cuba tournament and I didn't care that much. Um, Mm -hmm. I just wanted to have fun and compete. And, uh, but I felt that I was thinking about the matches. I got nervous like three or four days out and I could feel my heart rate going up and I could actually feel my legs getting tired and I wasn't cutting weight. And I realized how important that aspect of, of coaching and of, of preparation uh, that can take a toll on your body if you, if you don't pay attention to it. So I distract my guys. I'm either with Nate or with Kalazic, just kind of making jokes, trying to keep things loose up until probably the day of the event, the night before, I think it's fine to be nervous because you, you do want to be nervous. You want to be ready to go into war. Um, but three days out, two days out, you will tax your body when you're already getting your weight off. You're already working really hard. You know, you're trying to feel as fresh as possible. I think it's really important to, to keep track of your nerves uh, and when you're making your preparation final cuts. It's crazy that you could be in the best shape of your life and something purely in your head can like actually drain real energy from you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so one of the first times I moved up to 65 kilos, um, I thought I wanted to move up 2014 and give myself a bunch of years. I ended up deciding I don't like losing. So I went back down 2015 and said, screw it. Um, but I had Metcalf. Uh, I beat a couple guys. I beat Molinero in the quarters thinking things are going well. This is great. I got Metcalf. I'm feeling a little bigger. I feel pretty good at this weight. And um, 
there was a break before the semis and there was like some Twitter back and forth. And I, I started to like realize how big the match was. Oh, and it crushed me. It crushed me. <laughs> I, was, I was trying to take a nap and my heart's just beating out of my chest for like four or five hours. By the time the match actually happened, I was like, I had nothing. I had nothing. And I've wrestled Brent a ton of times in practice and real matches. And he always beat me, but it was, you know, six to two, things like that. He beat me 10 to nothing in two minutes and there was no contest. And I attribute it to letting the nerves get the best of me. Um, yeah. And he, he was very good too. So that doesn't. Right. <laughs> so when you're at your best, like whatever competition you think back to as your one of your, where you just perform flawlessly, are you, are you doing like little mental routines or mental checklists to stay loose or any self-talk? Um, so I think when you're just in it all the time, it starts to be less of an issue. Um, and I was cutting so much weight and we did the night before. I didn't really have that much time to, to be nervous. I was always just so worked worried about making weight. Um, and then I was, my body was replenished. So I'd always slept well. Mm -hmm. Um, so it was, it was pretty easy for me, but, um, yeah, I think that you have to just, you gotta be a pro, you gotta be confident. You have to put a ton of work in. If you put a crazy amount of work in, um, the confidence overtakes the nerves and you don't get nervous or scared that you're going to get tired. You know, you're going to take and get taken to deep waters and you're fine with it. Um, but yeah, I think little cues, I think uh, wrestling and singlets in practice is good, a good little practice. It's, uh, it gets the nerves up too. And people just treat it a little bit different. If you have matches where other guys on mm -hmm. the team are watching, I think that stuff helps. Um, and then I just, I'm putting myself through those, those mental drills, like get ready, get ready. I'm wrestling a guy from Iran that that was a scrap last time. And um, how are you going to deal with it? I do that on the drive over to practice a lot and uh, get nervous and then deal with it it's part of it i love how you said in one of your videos that when you're running like you've never gone for a jog in your life because you'll start thinking of shit and you'll uh -huh. be like yeah fucking jimmy kennedy's behind me yeah. you got jimmy was always right behind me coleman was always right ahead of me and that had nothing <laughs> to do with who was better but that's just how it always was i always picture coleman right ahead of me jimmy was always trying to catch me and we've all had some great matches and and bunch was clearly way ahead of me just because he's so fast <laughs> dude i was gonna ask you how fast is that dude in like a stance and just explosion one of the fastest most explosive guys that has ever wrestled uh we would do sprints after practice he was always him and jb were always first mm -hmm. and i got a good story my first team so we were doing hill sprints and those dudes jb james were way in the front and i got no chance of catching them and it's me and kale right next to each other and it's you know it's kale sanderson and kale's doing hill sprints kale's doing hill sprints and i'm like fucking hitting him with my elbow like, get out of here because i just i'm so we're so tired i want to win and i remember hitting him once and he hit me back and he looked at me he kind of smiled and i was like this is awesome wow that's crazy yeah. people forget he made that comeback when he made that bet yeah. with his team took seven years off and he knew that he needed one year to get ready so he could do another olympic run and then he did that year he said fuck it i'm out dude that's <laughs> dude, crazy yeah, man he, he did not want to do it anymore <laughs> what was this story with you in 2011 where you won the world trials but still had to go to a tournament to make the team uh-huh yeah so whatever every single rule in the rule book i've been a part of <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah so i i made the team in 11 and uh but if you had won an international event and there wasn't as many back then uh, so they were all very difficult i would i would equate them all to ranking series events mm -hmm. the ones that would have qualified you for this and bunch had won one um so when i and if you, you had to make the finals and lose and had won one of those tournaments to get this wrestle off and it wasn't a wrestle off but we would go to the same tournament and <clears throat> if he meddled and i didn't he'd be on the team. Um, so I ended, up, I ended up meddling and we were on the same side of the bracket. So I would have had to wrestle him, but we ended up, he lost. And so I was in right away. Um, but I ended up beating wow. that guy. <clears throat> so, yeah, I mean, put a little extra pressure on me. Um, yeah. Extra cut. I mean, for you, that was the battle, right? I had to stay focused. I had to peak for another event, changes things a little bit. Um, yeah. I mean, there's a lot that goes into it. There's a lot of traveling, a lot of being away from home. Um, those, those things I didn't understand in the beginning. 
Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, there's a lot of things that take a toll on these athletes, man. They got families and there's a lot of stuff going on uh, on their own personal lives that they have to deal with. And for JV, JD's had the same things and, and uh, kudos to, to Lauren and for making that easier on him, hopefully easier <laughs> but, or kudos to him for just dealing with it. Cause having the little babies at home was hard for me. Oh, I bet, man. I mean, and then like you said, you're, you're sucked down. There's nothing worse than being sucked down. And we've mentioned it a few times, but for, for people who haven't watched the flow documentary, which I, I love, by the way, how much were you sucking back in those days? Get down to 60 kg. I probably weighed 158 to 132 and 157 158 and that was 157 training twice a day but eating as much as i want but i don't i don't eat that much anyway but i was lean at 57 mm. i mean it's it doesn't sound possible because it shouldn't be uh i don't think i had one solid thing of food in the last two weeks uh every time i made it it was always liquid diet two one pro- weeks one protein shake uh after each workout and that was it that was it yeah, oh, my. way too way too low when did you start stretch uh cutting out the water uh towards the end but i i started that cut always six to eight weeks out yeah that's it a was, that's was a prison fun. sentence dude that's yeah. crazy wow. yeah definitely got I, and i spent some I, I would never recommend it to anybody unless you're trying to make a world or olympic team um but <clears throat> still i wouldn't even recommend it to, to those people too, because I spent so much time trying to get better at making weight. I, mm-hmm. I missed years of getting better at wrestling. And so I, I think up until maybe last year, maybe would have been the best I've ever been uh, just because I've been focused on learning wrestling and teaching wrestling and following the principles that I teach. Um, and so I, I just, I kept getting better for a long time, but now my body's starting to fall apart. So I think I'm back on that decline. <laughs> you can feel it. I feel it everywhere. Really? How so? My neck. I think I need surgery on my neck. My hips falling apart. My knees feel loose. And I, I was pretty fortunate. I don't think I ever got injured. Uh, I never really took time off really ever. Maybe a couple minor things, but no real surgeries. No, nothing too bad. Wow, man. Then that, it's crazy because you look at you on your you know Instagram and, and I know that's not always real life, but you're obviously super in shape. And to think that, what are you now? Like 155? Something more like that. That. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's not an ounce of fat on you now. Like to think of that cut is crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like you said, all the time spent worrying about that versus wrestling. Yeah. Could have gotten a lot better. And, uh, but yeah, you know, I'm, I was kind of forced into that position at Ohio state. We had me and then Jaggers and Lance Palmer mm-hmm. uh, back to back to back. So it would just make no sense for two of us to be at the same weight. Uh, so I was just kind of, forced to do that for the team and, and chose to do that as well. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you know, it's, it's just, uh, it's the way it panned out and, and I, I don't really regret any of it, but uh, if I could do it again, I think I would try and do it a little different, not cut so much weight. I mean, three-time world team member though, that's one of the rarest feats in wrestling and three-time us open champ, mm-hmm. but it's just like, yeah, it's, it was crazy yeah. to watch Three-time world champion. Don't, don't Two-time veteran world champ. That's yeah, right, baby. Yeah. That's right. Another year I noticed you may have had some weight cutting. I was looking back at your high school stuff because Indiana's, you know, one division and your freshman year and sophomore year, you went the same weight class. Is that accurate? And if so, was that a, a big challenge? Yeah. So I couldn't make the team uh, at 103. We had the state champ on our team. I lost to him double overtime, overtime, and he smashed everybody. Um, so I had to bump up, beat my best friend off the team who was very good. Um, another freshman and, uh, and I ended up losing to Angel Escobedo, but I weighed probably 104. Wow. You know, making 112. Um, and those guys were all bigger than me. I did, did the best I could, but it, it was tough for me. You know, I wasn't good enough to be given up that much weight. Uh, and I ended up losing to Angel <clears throat> and then then I was at the right weight the next year, 112. So it wasn't like I was cutting a crazy amount or anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just was light the year before. Mm-hmm. Dude, Indiana, like they had some studs coming out of there back then. I mean, they still do, but especially yeah, back then. I don't know how it is. One division brings up superstars, and, but, you know, it's just not as deep. But mm-hmm. you know, I wrestled Andrew Howe in the finals. I wrestled Angel Espito in the, in the state tournament. And, uh, yeah, there's, there's definitely some good dudes that came out of of Indiana. What year did you wrestle how in the finals? 
my senior year, his freshman year. How insane was that one? Yeah, his, <laughs> uh, his only loss in high school. No shit. Yeah, what so happened remember, in the match? Uh, I headlocked him. Uh, yeah, I was just I was older and a little bit better than him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I beat him seven to one or something like that. And uh, so whenever I see him, though, I always ask if he ever <laughs> lost in high school. <laughs> That's crazy. I did not know that, man. Uh-huh. I have to go back and see if I can find that one. Yeah. And you ended up in Indiana, obviously, because your dad was you know one of the great coaches of that era. Coach Canada, Coach Team USA, 1988, John Smith's first uh, Olympic title. That was a, a great team. And yeah. Then he coached at Indiana. Uh, when did he retire from IU? Before I was, I don't know, maybe somehow I was really young. Okay. I was really young uh, because I didn't really know that he wrestled uh, when, when we were growing up. I, I mean, I knew there was wrestlers around all the time and I kind of, I just didn't really put it together when I decided that I wanted to wrestle. It was hundred percent my choice. I'm sure he did some Jedi mind trick playing <laughs> watching, but I really thought it was my choice. He showed up to practice and I'm like, dad, you're good at pushups, but what are you doing here? And coaching, I like no idea. So oblivious to it. Or at oh least that's, that's the way I remember it. Somehow he tricked me into that. So um, I try and do that with my son. Uh, he's he really wants to wrestle. He's around only wrestlers. All the people he looks up to are all wrestlers. And so we uh, I try and step off as much as I can. But if he wants to go to practice, I'm the first one to take him there. And uh, he's starting to enjoy it for himself. And because that was such a great gift my dad gave me. Mm-hmm. Wrestling is way too hard to be doing it for somebody else. And so I always, always pull him back more than push him too hard. But um, I don't know. We have very, very good coaches around here at Princeton that, that can take him under their wing. I'll take Dubuque's kid a little bit and Ayers' kid and, and Gray's kid, and they'll take Parker – and so it's we got a really good family around here to to show them the ropes without having it to be dad all the time. It's cool when the kids sports heroes are wrestlers. So um, Jason Borelli, he came on here a while back and he was saying how like before bedtime, he reads his kids the names that are the NCE program, like, <laughs> uh, like the qualifier list. And so they're like, they're like asking for 133 or 141. And I'm like, man, I can only imagine your kid probably the same way, man. He's going to school talking about Nate Jackson and and all these kids. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. But he's talking about Nate as a friend, not, not the superstar wrestler that he is. True. Yeah. It's, it's not, it's not that serious to him yet. And he just, he likes it, but he's starting to, he's starting to get more into it, but now we're not reading uh, the NCAA qualifiers. (laughs) Dude, speaking of Nate Jackson, Illinois native. Mm-hmm. You talk about having a family. He's the family man. You know, he has, uh, I, I can't even four kids maybe um, that mm-hmm. he had in college. And then now he's still going at it. Push Jaden to a match three. What have yeah. you learned from coaching him over the past couple of years? He's the most coachable athlete uh, probably in the country. Uh, he's, uh, he didn't know anything when I first got here. And I think that the, the way that everything happened made it so easy for us to grow together. Uh, he literally didn't never wrestled freestyle. He used to come here. I would turn him. I would turn him every single day. And he was like, he had to get better, you know, and now I can't even get my hands locked around that dude. He's way, way too big and too good. Um, but um, I kind of told him from the very beginning, I said, if I'm right, I'm right. And if I'm wrong, I'm right. Cause I'm your coach. And he's believed that more than anybody. And we've been right and wrong together throughout this whole thing. But when you believe in somebody like that, you'll put in the time and take the, the lumps that happen along the way uh, on the process to being great. And he's done it better than anybody. He's no stress. He's no drama. He's there all the time. He always works hard. Um, just a crazy, crazy, perfect uh, guy that a coach would want. Um, and then even this last year, this, I don't know if you know this, but this is the craziest story ever. He, won the Pan Ams and tested positive for steroids, came back. Um, but so did for the field, you know, the, it was clearly contaminated tests and we had our lawyers ready and they said, yeah, it, it's fine. It's clearly contaminated. Everybody's going to, everybody's going to get uh, resolved. And so then this person got appealed in this one and then it all happened and nate was the last one we're like the open's coming up what are we going to do we need an answer they said here's your answer you're banned for four years this is stop it what that's why nate didn't wrestle at the open so how did it go from being rescinded to banned for four years because nate's levels were a little bit higher 
I mean, it's clearly contaminated beef from from Guatemala. I, we, there was so much evidence that made it perfect, but uh, yeah, he was banned for four years, and so we had to actually appeal it. And this is the very first case ever of Bolden on this steroid. There hadn't been one that had been overturned. So we're like, we're, we might be screwed here. I'm like, Nate, did what? Did you take anything? And he's like, he promises up and down. So I'm not, of course, I believe him. And, um, and so we're fighting it. And I mean, sometimes it's looking no good. So the whole time he's training for Jaden, essentially, there's we don't know if he's going to be able to compete. Mm-hmm. We found out on Friday, last chance was Saturday, that he won the appeal the day before. What? I mean, the dude, the dude can't sleep. We're sweating. We're, we, we thought for sure we were losing that year. Uh, totally clean. Everything was just made right. It's just still that training process for him to wrestle the way he did at last chance, the way he did at the world team trials, and then to beat Jaden in a match um, with the up and down training of not even knowing that he was going to be able to compete is pretty, pretty insane. And tributes to him, him just trusting the process and just doing the best thing that he can and being ready. But the mental warfare there is, yeah, I don't like thinking about it. It's crazy. So, eating a certain kind of contaminated meat can make you test positive for steroids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. You're eating steroids essentially if they don't treat it the, the same way that they do in America. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. crazy. And so when- a, a very long list of a history of testing athletes positive out in Guatemala. So it's like, it seems so cut and dry. And then they gave everybody the clear and not Nate. So when were you thinking you would get the clear versus it actually happened the day before the trials? Like, so when, when, was, when was everybody else getting released? Everybody was cleared before the open. Everybody. We, we won every single weight there. And six of those guys had tested positive. I'm not going to name names because they don't, they, right. they weren't doing anything bad anyway, but no one needs to think about that. Right. Um, but, I didn't even yeah. hear about this. Holy yeah. cow. Oh, no, it's so crazy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they kept it under wraps pretty good because we all just thought it was going to be over. And then we were going to go public with it if it didn't happen because it was so wrong, but mm-hmm. everything went good. And we were still a little upset about the whole process, but uh, there was no need to just keep drawing attention to it. We were good. Right. And like you think about how far Nate came, what was the first tournament he won uh, in Bulgaria? Uh, Belarus. Belarus. Medved. Medved. Won. Yeah. The Medved. That was kind of where he kind of popped a little bit, and everyone's like, "Holy oh, shit!" Yes, yeah, right. we knew how. I'm gonna let my dog out. No problem. Yeah, so we knew we knew how good that Nate was, but his style is even better against foreign guys. They and you've seen it with JB, but they don't see a double leg like. Uh, like those dudes, like JB and James and Nate, they have some sort of power and the way they hit it is different than, and I mean, from fighting really hard to, to beat some of these American dudes to smashing these dudes that are ranked top 10, it had brought a whole new type of confidence to them and uh, showed them that if he makes a team, he can win. And I still believe that. And we got some superstars in the way, but if, uh, if he keeps growing at the rate that he is, I, I think he's going to, be ready to win the worlds and ready to make a run at Olympic title. Absolutely, man. It's just another example of, and this is such a cliche thing to say, but how mental it is. I mean, just the belief in yourself that you can battle with the, uh, you know, quote unquote international guys. And when I was growing up, it was wrestled with the Chicago guys, you know, cause mm-hmm. you know, it's all, it's every level there's something, you know? Oh, and yeah. uh, it's like, how much of that's just nonsense. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's crazy, man. It's uh, you got to be super confident and, and know that you're going to win and fight hard through tough positions. Um, yeah. And if you lose that and I've seen I've seen even him go up and down in that mental battle. And um, yeah, mm-hmm. so lose that battle and, and win it. And yeah, winning the overseas was a big jump for him. Um, then I had to kind of bring him back down to real life, too. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so we got to get better, man. You're not the world champ yet. Right. Uh, and so, yeah, he's same thing. We've been on the same page the whole entire time. And that's why, I mean, when somebody's that good to be still making jumps that he is, he's really looking himself to make jumps and what he needs to work on. But he's also really open and listening to my ideas because 
neither of us really know. We're just, we're both trying really hard uh, as a team. Yeah. When you think about, you know, your position uh, as a leader of that team in JRTC, you know, that's, it's been an incredible run, but it's not the first team that you were a part of that had a resurgence. When you got to Ohio state, they were at, at the lows of the low, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. We scored a half a point at the nationals, my true freshman year. <laughs> so did you get recruited by Tom or by Russ? Uh, Russ Hellickson. Uh, yeah. And so, yeah, I was, uh, I was promised 70% my first year scholarship and then a full ride from there on out. And then I did that 70% year. And then Tom came in and he's like, I only know 70%. <laughs> but Tom's the best. Tom is the best. And uh, he pointed out that we want to make a team and that was totally fine for us. And, um, and we did that, but the majority of those guys were Russ's recruits. It was me and Lance and Jaggers. And then and Tom brought over Pasillo and, uh, a couple other guys, but <clears throat> when Tom came and brought Roselli, it was a uh, it was a total attitude change for us. And we had our guys, but they made us into to what we were, and um, and our drill partners. And we were all really good friends. And those those workouts were were top notch. And I stayed there for an extra five years afterwards. And then you add in Angel, and you add in Henry Cejudo for a little bit, and. Steve was was amazing partner for me and mm-hmm. uh, and we challenged each other for a long time so it was a, it was a really good situation for for all of us what was the change when Tom Ryan and company stepped onto campus first day I don't know I think there was just some negativity towards the end of of that Russ Hellickson uh, staff they uh, they were awesome they were really awesome but there was just uh, some some things that weren't clicking and when you're losing yeah, yeah. Out some different sides of people, but, but yeah, man, it was just such a bright new beginning for all of us. And they were excited. They were motivated. They knew they could win. It's Ohio state. They believed in the program, get those recruits from Ohio. And, uh, and that's why, I mean, Tom's one of the best coaches in the country and Roselli was, is still one of the best coaches in the country, but he was phenomenal for me. Tom did the CEO business, fundraising, recruiting. Lou was in charge of practice and technique and, uh, and they were fitting into their roles flawlessly. And so that's why they're still doing very well today. Yeah. And if you look at the team jumps, I mean, a couple of years there, you guys were second, second, maybe twice to Iowa. And the one year was really close. Yeah. Really close. And yeah, if I would have won, um, we, I think we would have won. Yeah. Thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> I wasn't even thinking that. Cause you took a, uh-huh. you took a third that year. I didn't know you wrestled Dake. Yeah. I wrestled Dake. If I would have won the, the year I was in the finals with the, goal. Oh, you're talking okay, the year before. Uh-huh. Yeah. If I would have won then because, and I wasn't kind of, I was thinking that we would have lost either way because Metcalf was after me and DC Caldwell, uh, beat mm. Metcalf. And so that, that made me got it. Damn it we would have won. <laughs> Dude, that's crazy to think about. And man, like I didn't realize that like Jay Jaggers and those guys were not um, part of that new era recruiting. So Russ was still pulling in some big hammers near the end there. Yeah, definitely. Wow. And your dad was, how would he, how did he end up the coach at Ohio state that year? Yeah, So he was a coach. I think Russ knew that if he got him, he'd probably get me and they hired him while I was still making my decision. My dad didn't say like, I'm going to go there. You should come. I just, I kind of, Obviously, I wanted to. I had a lot of success with him being my coach. Um, yeah, and so I wanted to continue that. He was there for a year, and then the whole staff got wiped out. And, and uh, so he wasn't there anymore, but he still helped me tremendously along the way. Oh, I'm sure. And you mentioned Lou Roselli. That's one guy who's never been on the podcast, and I don't know a lot about him, but people just love that guy. What, what is, uh, what's kind of unique about his approach? Uh, no bullshit. No bullshit. Get your two days in. We did the most live wrestling out of any club in the country. There's no doubt about it. Uh, we had five guys on our RTC. All five were on a world team out of seven weights. Dang. So pretty, pretty good. So it's yeah. like we were working our asses off and we were, I think, definitely overtrained uh, at some points. But same kind of thing. We believed it. We believed in it. We were like we were following him to with no questions asked all the time. We did 30 minutes of live every single day, 10 threes, um, three tens, 
six fives every single day <laughs> and against uh, you know against Steber, angel cejudo tomasello de julius back to back to back to back every single day and so when we had the u.s open lineup or the world team trials lineup it was like come on i do this five days a week and so we were really mentally ready for it i think uh, as a coach i wouldn't i don't do that to my guys my guys would die they would fall apart um so i don't know if it was just a little bit different back then, but we were, we were doing a little bit too much and, and Roselli, that's what he asked of us. And he made it seem like, Oh yeah, everybody's doing that. <laughs> Nobody <Dude>. did that. <laughs> and you, uh, you had said that your workout plan was 11 workouts a week. And so I was going to ask you how many of those were on your own versus part of the team back in those days. Yeah, so we were on the mat five times a week. And I think Roselli ran some technique sessions in the mornings, but I never did those. If I was on the mat twice a day, I'd kind of fall apart. Um, but I always ran and saunaed and lifted and saunaed and did six times uh, at my little lifetime fitness or whatever it was back in the day in Ohio. I did that religiously, never missed ever. And uh, 11 really never miss. No, never miss. Always on meeting my goals that I wanted to hit on the weight on the scale, um, always working really hard. And and I, I think that's another thing that contributes to the consistency and the mental game and dealing with the nerves. But yeah, I, I never missed. Wow. I love that. Just the plan of attack you have, you know, you know, exactly going into it, you got to get X number of workouts and you're going to have five at practice. So at least six on you. Yeah. And it's like when you're a senior level athlete, you just have to be a pro and you got to hold yourself accountable. And I knew that if I won, um, you know, I was getting paid 24,000 a year to be on the world team. Um, and I knew if I won, I could get more sponsors and it'd be more food on the table. I had two young little babies, uh, that I wanted to take care of. And it made priorities very, very simple and easy for me. So it's like, I, it was such an easy, easy thing for me to do. And, um, I, I never felt like I had a job until I was done wrestling. You know, once I was done, I realized that I only worked out twice a day, but my job was 24 seven nutrition, sleep, mm -hmm. focus, doing all the right things all the time. Uh, and when I finally retired, it was like, Oh, I could take a breath and I could go have a beer and I could eat fast food and do some things that just, I never, ever did. Right. Um, just live for fun. Like put on some weight, you know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Everything had such a focused purpose for me, you know? And it's like, I created that own schedule for myself and uh, Roselli was there to push me through the, the wrestling workouts. And he didn't care how tired I was. And he didn't ask me what I did in the mornings. He just put me through. And that's what we were doing. Dang. And like you said, you had, you know, Logan Steber. How old was he when he when you were like on those, you know, 2013, 2015 teams? Yeah, if I'm thinking he was there one year after I graduated. And so, yeah, because I, I was definitely there for his whole college career. And I think when the ceiling is much higher in the room, you can raise the bar to that ceiling a lot mm -hmm. quicker. And he would go overseas to tournaments and be like, Reese would beat this dude. Bunch would beat this guy. And he'd compete at that level. And that's what gave him that confidence. And same thing. He's wrestling Tony Ramos. He's like, dude, these guys would smash him. And he, he obviously had some scraps with him, but he knew that he was at that level because he competed with us and he came in the room and I mean, we beat him up, we beat him up. And it was most people you beat up and it takes him a long time. He was nipping at our heels in a week, in a month. I mean, the dude, I'm like, Oh shit, this guy's, I better stop helping him. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to beat me. Man. And then uh, we wrestled in the open semis. I beat him in a third period clinch. Uh, and then he beat me uh at the open a couple years later at 65 like we had some real scraps and it was it was like that every single day in the room he was the one guy that was probably consistently better than me that i've ever wrestled for a long period of time i'm like man this guy's gonna win the worlds and sure enough he did man I, I saw like a crazy tweet that he maybe lost like 10 lifetime matches i mean <laughs> I, I, was, I was like what that's crazy you uh, know yeah. yeah lifetime that's insane Insane. Well, the, one of the things I want to ask you about two things before we let you go. One is I love how you talk about your stance and motion routine back when you were in you know, your prime focus that you would watch tape of your opponents, mm -hmm. watch their first contact, whether it's like a right club or a, a wrist yeah. and mm -hmm. then drill based on that. Yeah. Like, so, how did you, how'd you get that? 
I ended up coming up with the two by 20 stance motion. If you've ever done stance motion for more than five 20. minutes, two by 20. Yeah. And so that was when I was hurt. So I couldn't get on the mat. So I knew I had to do something very hard to come as close as I could to replicating wrestling all the time. Um, and so in the beginning it would beat up my lower back and it would be hard for me, but uh, it taught me how to stay down in my stance and uh and to make it a little more realistic for the matches i would visualize jimmy kennedy and i watched what his first contact was his right collar is what he wants i hide it with my neck i'd be inside and i'd be i'd be literally in here i'd be thinking about uh exactly how the match would go i'd give up takedowns and see how i could handle that i'd be down at the i'd be in that yoga room at the whatever public gym it is doing part tier bottom with nobody on top <laughs> <laughs> That is classic. Parterre bottom is like, that's when you walk in on, you're like, what the heck's going on in here? This guy do it. <laughs> <laughs> I love how it's not just a, you know, two 20 minute goes is incredible on its own, but you put the mental aspect to it. And, you know, I'm sure a lot of top guys are studying tape like that, but I was like, that's pretty cool that you would like focus just on like their first contact throughout yeah, the match and, and all, the, all the attacks that they did. And I, I had them in my head and I wrestled that match so many times. And it's like, you get fired up too. When I, he gets on my legs in my head and then I really want to beat him up and I'll find myself sprinting to a, a level that I probably wouldn't go that hard if I hadn't been visualizing that same thing as when I was running. If I didn't feel him breathing down my neck, then I wouldn't push that hard just because it's, it's pretty difficult to consistently motivate yourself all the time. Um, but that, that was one little trick that helped me. Mm -hmm. Wow. Awesome stuff, man. Last thing I got to ask you about is you and CJ Brookie just announced a new album. Tell us about this, man. Yeah. So me and CJ, we're best friends, you know, we fight. Uh, and if you, you got to watch the match, we posted it. It's, you have to click on not the reels, but you get, we, we have it up. It's uh, the highlights from the match is pretty hilarious. I watch it. It's so funny, dude. It's, it's so funny. I can't He's, believe it. He should be a pro wrestler. He's, like, he's, he's hilarious, he's hilarious dude. Um, so we have the album out I'm super proud of how it turned out but it's just the beginning for us man we, we really enjoy making music so if you want to check it out it's at spotify it's on Apple music it's on youtube for the people that don't have those um highlight humphrey and young brook yeah, um, we, we have some really funny stuff on there i, I think it's pretty high quality as well um we've been cj's a perfectionist and he won't let us get out of the studio uh, without it being the way that we want it to. So we're, we're learning, we're getting better every time we go in. It's, it's almost like wrestling. We're competing in there and we're, we're yelling at each other. We're partying, man. We feel like rock stars, um, but yeah, we really enjoy it. And uh, we think it's really fun to listen to. And uh, yeah, man. So we did that and we're also doing adult wrestling, which I think is getting ready to change the game. Uh, I, I think love that you're doing that, man. Uh -huh. Tell us about that. Yeah. So we, we think that we can grow this the fastest at the age group after high school and even after college and so we do adult wrestling classes they're like 18 and up i would say and uh bjj jujitsu they crush this market they make yes. millions, and millions of dollars and we do nothing there's like a random class here and there but so right now we were we were doing one location for a while and getting pretty good numbers but it would trickle off and, and people would uh you know, they'd get hurt. So we're like working out all the kinks, but right now this weekend we're starting uh, Jersey and PA like summer tour. So we're going around to all these different locations and uh, doing basically a one session camp and the best locations that get the most people that are driven and motivated that want to do it consistently. I'm going to use my NJRTC guys and they're going to run those classes, make some money. If we can make it work in Jersey, we have the blessing of USA wrestling to go nationwide with it. Then I'll hit up. Bryce Meredith and and Zach Ray and and Downey even anybody that wants to run these classes can do that because everywhere I go their brother wrestled or this and that with MMA kicking off knowing that wrestling is the number one skill or base to to continue to fight a lot of people want to learn how to wrestle and I think if you teach the parents and you teach the coaches and I have a whole curriculum that they have to follow and learn good technique you can help the youth and that trickles into our high school, into our RTCs and college level athletes. We can really change the game and make everybody a lot better. And uh, so we've been working on it behind the scenes really hard, CJ and I. I love and, it. Uh, and I really think that we're very, very close to figuring out the formula. And we are putting in a lot of work um, in our spare time. 
And so we're, we're hoping that uh, we can bring wrestling to, to everybody. And, and what USA Wrestling, I talked to Rich Bender, uh, the president, and he said it can't be for competition. And I totally agree. I think the veteran worlds are great and the Masters Nationals are great. Uh, but we are fitness. We're self-defense. We're dance. We're fun. We're doing cartwheels and four rolls. Mm-hmm. We got these uh, middle-aged women that do jujitsu, doing handstand walks. And it's fucking hilarious. Yeah. And we, cuss and we play bad music and it's adult wrestling. And so, uh, so that's popping off. And uh, we're trying to get it going. So any any way you can help spread the word with that is going to be amazing. Hundred <clears throat> percent. I'm uh, I'm getting asked to, since that video went viral. I'm getting asked to do a ton of camps. And I said the one stipulation I have is that one session you have to bring a parent. You have to bring your mom or your dad, and they get a little perspective because I'm just tired of hearing dads on the side saying, "Get up, just get up." I'm like right. you get up. <laughs> You get up. And so, and I've seen it happen with people in these classes, they, their perspective changes and the way that they treat their kids is totally different uh, just because it it is a really technical thing. It's not always just effort, you know, and uh, sometimes the kid is trying really hard and, and you got to be a little easier on them. And I think it'll be better for the athlete parent relationship. And I think they'll actually have some technical input. Like, you know, you should be keeping your head up here. And if the, kid knows that then uh and they're taking an interest in it and actually putting themselves out there i think there's the relationships will be better and i think we'll just be better as a whole and so i'm pretty excited about it we're working really hard on it i'm hoping it blows up i love it dude i think you know i know you're plugged into the mma world a little bit out in jersey dude the the bjj thing like you said is a perfect example i mean in and the reality is that all schools have wrestling attached to them and mm-hmm. they're still killing us in that category. Like, I don't understand right. it, you know, yeah, they're killing it. Yeah. And I think that we do it at jujitsu gyms. They already have their insurance and liability forms. So we don't even really have to worry about that. And we bring our wrestlers, they bring their jujitsu players. And the only thing is wrestling is just a little too aggressive. Yeah. So we have to know that we're not because these dudes, they tie their shoes for the first time in 10 years, they think they're in high school. <laughs> <laughs> hard club. <laughs> hard club. And they all want to scrap as hard as they can and they ruin it for themselves. And so we're, we're figuring out how we used to, we're all on the same team and as team don't get hurt. We're team Tylenol, we're team Motor, and team Advil. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> yeah, the great yeah. thing about jujitsu. It's the gent or yeah, it's the gentle art, you know, it's, it's, it's all based on thing. not being like a type A alpha. You can be a chess dude and win yeah, you know? so we have to we have to figure out how to adopt that but still have it be wrestling um and still let them fight each other a little bit because that's what they all want to do so we're working out the kinks man but i think it's just such a great idea and uh we're we're trying to figure it out we're putting in the work we will spread the word as much as we can that is uh i did see how you change it up and have uh locations all throughout the like you said mm-hmm. jersey and pa so it goes all the way to like september august right now yeah, right now, but I got a bunch more. Uh, getting excited. We're doing it super cheap right now. It's like uh, awesome. I, I want the, the idea to grow. And, you know, I, I do a lot of camps for high school kids, but it's got to be a pretty big camp. For these, I'm doing them. And so you can get me and CJ at the same time for very cheap. And uh, and we're we're partying in there. It's so Dude, fun. Everybody I loves love it. it. Uh-huh. Dude, I, well, you know, I'm in Chicago and there, you know, not only people who grew up in Illinois wrestling here, but it's a huge job market. You know, so many college wrestlers are in Chicago. I mean, and you got some Illinois boys out there. So get the get the adult classes going. Come on. Let's, Let's go. go. Yes. Last thing I got to say, man, is that, going back to your album. I just love one mm-hmm. that you put yourself out there. You know, as, as someone oh. who creates stuff, I know how nerve wracking it can be. So mm-hmm. first of all, just badass. But then two, on this, the song is it teach me how to wrestle yeah, yeah. the co- the comment about the weird kid who does the splatles dude yeah. every time i hear that it's just fantastic i just yeah, uh, I, want to I commend like you on that man i like that weird dude you know it's it's not like you're weird it's more like you're the different guy you know the different guy yeah funky stuff you know and so I've, some people have kind of hated on that comment but it's i'm joking you know dude i love it I, we all know that i think of one guy in particular real lengthy guy yeah uh-huh. not that good but he, every once in a while he'd pull a splatle, yeah, the splatle and, man. god you'd love it <laughs> yeah man so if you haven't checked out the music please do and it, it'll definitely bring a smile to your face and that's what we're trying to do but always always if you want to do something do it uh and don't worry about the haters man i, I find that my favorite part of life is when i'm chasing something 
Mm -hmm. uh, and the Olympic dream was such a good thing to chase, but that's over. And uh, I always want to continue to have that feeling. So I'm chasing music. I'm chasing a big thing like adult wrestling, something that can really change the world and change the country. And, uh, and when it, it re releasing it is the hardest part, you know, releasing the music because making it was so fun. And now I'm like, shit, I got to actually, we have eight songs. We were just, we didn't know what we were going to do. And so we just dropped them all at the same time, put uh, some funny stuff in there. But yeah, I've, I've been, they're really fun. Some of the songs are really fun. Whiskey out the wine glass makes me smile every time. Yeah, I'll check that it. one. Yeah, and check. like you said, you guys are in like a real studio making this. I mean, this is serious it's stuff. Very, very high level production. Uh, and we're obviously just learning, but I think it's, I think it's pretty good music. I, I really do. Uh, yeah. So you let the album run. It's 25 minutes at the most. Uh, you can listen to the whole thing um and then then play it back and share it through your friends man because yeah we had a lot of fun making it and i think you can hear it through the tracks well i saw a couple of dads tweeting that their kids were requesting the the teach me how to wrestle song and so mm -hmm. i saw that and i went to check it out i'm like dude that's that's super creative so i uh yeah. i liked it and you're like going through a match so uh -huh. yeah. it's cool man um you know this podcast is called wrestling change my life podcast I'm curious to hear your answer because you've seen some extreme highs, some lows. Now you're coaching. You're a parent of a wrestler. How, what's the biggest impact for you? It's so crazy with wrestling and coaching. The highs and lows that I feel on a weekly basis. I mean, I'll think I have it all figured out, and two days later, be the worst coach, worst athlete. <laughs> and so, and it, those are real feelings. I actually believe those things in those moments. Um, and so, wrestling has changed my life. It's taught me how to stay even keeled through the highs and through the lows. Don't get too high on yourself when everything's going well and don't get too low on yourself when, when um, things don't seem like they're going out well and nothing matters till they raise the other dude's hand. And so deal with a bad call, deal with a tweak of the knee, deal with being exhausted, uh, focus on the next best thing to do in that moment. And um, I apply that to so many things in life and then always chasing, chase the dreams shoot for the stars and reach the moon right and, Love it. and just uh continue to push yourself always always very hard and uh people will respond around you awesome man reese humphrey thank you much for your time my brother have a great day thanks man thanks for listening to this episode of wrestling changed my life go to instagram at wrestling changed my life to watch clips from this interview as always thank you to spartan combat go to spartancombat.com to enter to win a free Yanni D t-shirt. Without further ado, folks, we'll see you on Wednesday on Wrestling Changed My Life.